Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Yes, friends, welcome to our very first episode of Call Radio. It is me, your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, famous of Corbin versus the World. I am here with the wonderful, wonderful post-rock band Altas out of Denver. They are joining us today. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Wonderful to have you. You want to take a second to introduce yourselves singularly? Sure. My name is Enrique Jimenez. I play guitar, do programming and sequencing. My name is Israel Jimenez. I play the drums. Uh, I'm JC Flores. I do guitar and some programming and heavy lifting and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, we have one more, uh, sh- uh, Megan Lillis. She's not here, but she's a keyboardist and synthesizer player. So. Awesome. Very cool. And so you guys are here because you have a new album coming out very, very soon uh, with an album release show as well in a couple of weeks. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Uh, our latest album is called All I Ever Wanted Was. Uh, and it's a follow-up to our 2014 release, uh, Epoca de Bestias. Um, this album is kind of just the end result of a lot of um, ups and downs in the last, you know, five years of trying to get this this new, all these new songs uh, wrapped up, finished, and finalized, and finally getting into the studio and putting them down. Uh, it's it's been quite a Quite a trip, but uh, we're we're finally here, and 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 we're really we're really excited about what we've created. Mm-hmm. And this is your second album that you've put out under the name Altas. Yes, cool. And what what were your intentions with this album versus the first record that you put out? So this album is uh, very special because now we have another member that has input in it, and you know, like Enrique was saying, it's it's been really full of changes this last four years has been full of changes and and it represents that sort of hardship of being a musician being an artist and still have to you know do your every everyday life yeah i think there's there's that that um that feeling of of needing to create things um but still you know as the saying goes pay your rent Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and that balancing act and, and, and having more people in the band and making sure that everybody has their own kind of their own time to feel out what's going on with them and, uh, also bring that to the creative process. So it's been, it, it has been quite a, quite a, a journey, but I think what we've come up with is, is a couple of things is we've more we've defined our sound way more than what it used to be we we know now i believe that we've gotten to a point where we know um what we're looking for almost well in a, in a shorter amount of time than we used to there we used to be a lot of a lot of noodling a lot of jamming a lot of that kind of thing i think now we're way more focused in terms of how to how to how to turn an idea into a song mm-hmm. and our songs aren't just not three minute or two minute, like, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. They're, yeah, they they're big you, sweeping. Yeah. They're, they're big journeys. sweeping sounds. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit different in terms of how, the, how the writing process goes. So, and that's really what I think this particular album has, has gotten us to is, is from that place where we were kind of all over the place and we had all these ideas, 
but didn't really know how to put them all together cohesively. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this has gotten to the gotten to the point where we have a little bit more of a handle on on our creative process. And of course, the recording process with uh, the folks at Evergroove Studio. Shout out to Evergroove. They uh, they really really helped us in terms of getting all that uh, you know onto onto this record. So, and it's a it's a very accomplished record too. I've heard it a couple times. Thank uh, you. Yeah, it's very well done, very well executed, and yeah, there's a very comprehensive uh, vision that you can definitely hear throughout it. And uh, you know, you kind of touched on it when you were talking about it earlier. And also kind of in some of the press materials, but uh, were there any particular stories or kind of narrative threads that you're trying to trace uh, through this particular album? Usually with our songwriting process, uh, it just, um, it's very spontaneous. And it's sort of that thing of, you know, being in the unknown. As far as um, taking it to, you know, having some kind of theme or, or having some kind of thought, I mean, it just... It, it it comes along as we're you know as we're into it as we're grinding along, mm-hmm. and um, maybe I, I don't know there may be some part of the song that makes us feel a certain way or gives us a certain feeling of a certain time. Yeah, our songwriting process is you know really starts sort of with a with a tiny seed planted, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah, it can either start with a, a a riff from Juan Carlos or a drum beat for myself or something that Enrique has been noodling with. And there have been times where it's taken forever to, for that seed to grow. And then there's been times where it just grows, you know, <laughs> way faster than we, we expect. That's certainly how it went during the last few months of, um, of writing this. It, it just all came, it just seemed like it just all came together. And next thing you know, we had, it was done and we were ready to record. Yeah, because you mentioned, I think you said three to four months it took overall to, to yeah. write everything. So how, how did that process take from from conception to writing to recording? How long did that process take uh, overall for this particular album? Well, some of these songs have been around quite a bit in terms of, of their life. But I think that um, what Israel's referring to is kind of the finalization of these songs. Mm-hmm. And that that came in because... There was a pressure because we booked studio time and we're like, okay, now we, you have to, you know, deliver because (laughs) we have deadlines now, which is a good thing to place on some um, most creative projects because I think that it gives you that, that hard, hey, this has to be done by this time. Otherwise. You'll never be done with it. We'll never be done with it. You'll never be happy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's never good enough anyway. Yeah, it's very yeah. hard to create in a vacuum yeah. like that yeah. with with no expectations. Yeah, and I think that's that's when that happened, when we made that decision to book the studio time, I think that's what what's, what sparked that, mm-hmm. that uh, creative energy to finalize everything. Um, and uh, it just became, uh, the, the sense of urgency was there. And that was, that was pretty quick because the recording process took a little bit longer simply because scheduling and um, you know, things like that uh, and the studio not being available because it's already booked. And so, cause they're a pretty popular studio. They, you know, they have sessions every day, I believe. So um, they're booked like six months out. So it's, it's, a, it's one of those things where you have to, you know, have, have everything in place to be able to go in there and be well rehearsed. But that process was fairly quick. Um, it took us a little bit longer than we thought 
because we, of course, we we try to be efficient and anticipate uh, what what we'll need to do in the studio. But of course, you know that that's always just you know, we had to add a couple more days to our recording because uh, because you know we we're like, oh, okay, that took longer than we thought. But you know, it it ended up working out very very well. And of course, the studio experience was excellent. I think that's that's how that came about. And you said that there there are some. Uh, tracks on the album that uh, you've had with you for a while. What's the oldest song on the album that you've had with you? I think the first one. Yeah. Um, Glass. No, not Glass Castle. Oh, um, oh man. Me, me, me Siento Maldito. <laughs> me Siento Maldito. It was a different title. Oh, that's the uh, first, it was, first track, isn't it? Yeah, it's it? the yeah. first track. So we've had that for like almost four years, mm. I think. Yeah, and, and we changed the the name of the title. It had a working title for such a long time. <laughs> and then when we went to the album, we're just like, this is stupid. Yeah. We need to you guys have it. some great titles. You have some <laughs> great titles for, for your tracks. These guys and Megan do a great job of taking the songs and adding that last piece to it. I try to stay out of that mostly because I, I my the names I've come up with are stupid. <laughs> so uh, I, I leave it to the rest of the band. You got to kind of know when you're, when you're uh, when to step back a little exactly, bit and just exactly. let, let figure, things happen. Figure out what each one's forte is. Exactly. It's like you're the name guy. I'm, <laughs> I'm the riff guy. We right. all got this figured out. Right, right. Yeah. Teamwork makes PR. the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> right. Here in Colorado. That's awesome. As promised, we are going to play some of the tracks off that album okay, great. today. And uh, do you want to tell us about this first track that we're going to play for you? Uh, so this song is called Cosas Nunca Dichas. And Juan Carlos came up with this title, so he can explain a little bit more about uh, about how the, what this means to him. But uh, and then we can go into the track itself. So uh, with this song, um, I bumped into a friend that I hadn't seen in a while, and things didn't exactly end up well. So we ended up been, ended up having this conversation, and it was just like kind of straightened out. Ended up straightening out all these things that we thought, you know we had an estranged relationship, but mm -hmm. we didn't really. Like burying hatchets. Burying heavy hatchets sort of thing. Um, so when I was listening to the song, it sort of reminded me of that mm -hmm. and how you should definitely, you know, not let those things go by. Um, sonically, this song, I'm going through this phase right now and I've been for the last few years where when I finally discovered sort of like the most prominent shoegazy sort of stuff. and. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge part in the sound for me personally, because when I listened to that, I went back a few years to when a lot of this music was released. And back then, this was like pre-internet, pre, you know, and growing up uh, as an, you know, immigrant kid here, didn't have access to, you know, the, those oldest platforms to listen to music or, or didn't have the money to go just buy CDs like crazy and just consume all of that. Mm -hmm. So once I discovered shoegaze, it was just like, it was just mind blowing for me and made me think, you know, what would, what would this have done for me had I listened to the den? Cause I knew I, I needed that. I was searching for that. So I would go to like stores like Virgin or whatever and just buy like the, the stuff on the, what were those, uh, I was called, I was called like with the, 
is it like world music or something? Would they have like bands from like Venezuela and like Mexico? Uh, or, yeah, mm-hmm. it was probably world music. Yeah, that, so would, it was, that would be how they so it, it was, it. Yeah, so they, they didn't have like a wide variety mm-hmm. of stuff. And I was just like, tr- just trying to find. Oh my God. Trying to sift were you, were, were yeah, you one of those it, kids yeah. that hung out at Virgin Records? And just listened yeah. to stuff. And just listened, yeah. And nothing or was read, ever, like I nothing s- ever spoke to me, you know? Yeah, I, I was always in there like, yeah, so on when, hours on end. <laughs> yeah, so so whenever whenever I found, you know, this type of music, it was just mm-hmm. mind blowing for me. So mm-hmm. this song is definitely, at least sonically, uh, a big, very reminiscent. Uh, re- of yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. One thing that I really that I really like about your guys's process is that you write the music, and then after the fact, you kind of you 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 put memories or your ideas on it after the fact, <laughs> and it's kind of like, oh, that's that's where that might've been coming from. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting that, mm-hmm. you know, some artists, they approach it with that intentionality. Like, this is what I'm trying to say. Whereas, you know, you create the art and then after the fact, you're like, Oh, that's, you know, that's where that was coming from. Yeah. <laughs> I think mostly because, because it is instrumental. It, it's it, you're, to you to kind of piggyback on what you're saying. We're not trying to say anything. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is make people feel things, I think. And, for us, the music kind of tells us where that, and, and everybody has their own um, interpretation or um, a journey with that song. I exactly relate to some elements that he's talking about, mm-hmm. but also I have a different, uh, you know, a different take on it. Yeah. And, you know, I won't go into it because, you know, you can listen to the song and, sure. and see, how, see how it makes you feel. Yeah. It's, a, it's that subjectivity that you can bring yeah. to, to genres and types of music like that. Exactly. Yeah, and one thing is uh, with the names of these songs is, you know, those are the names that we gave these songs. Mm-hmm. But we're not really trying to put you in that direction. You, you can just, it's just right. about what, what that song makes you feel. I yeah, mean, it's this just is a what, suggestion of a yeah, name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's a really good way to look at it. Without any further ado, let's hear that first track. And what is that track called one more time, gentlemen? Cosas Nunca Dichas.
last seven minutes went by pretty quick. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when we take those journeys together. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting that, uh, you know, when you were talking about earlier um, how you took a lot of the sounds that you had on that first album and, you know, how you uh, tried to kind of uh, synthesize those or find a little bit more intentionality with them in this second album, I really sent, I really hear a lot of the sounds that you were that you were playing with in that first album really kind of like find a new level in that in that track and throughout the the entire album in particular it's like i said earlier i think it's it's my favorite track off the new album thank you okay. yeah. thank you that's definitely our most happy, our happiest track. Off of that. <laughs> that might that might have something to do yeah, with yeah. it i cuz i listened to it after i think because we had what felt like four straight months of winter in, right. in Denver. And yeah. then finally the sun comes out and I listen to that song and I'm like, ah, oh, there it is. I'm awake. All I needed to do is listen Spring to has arrived, kids. <laughs> Damn. So you guys talked about how prior to this album cycle, um, you guys, you said you added a fourth member. So you were a trio before this. Yeah, we were a trio for the longest time ever since we met and, yeah. and first met in 2006. And um Jesus. Wow. Yeah, we yeah, that's when so five actually. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. still so long. Time. So fourteen yeah, years you guys have been playing music together yeah, for fourteen yeah, years. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well isn't that weird when you think back on like the early aughts and you're like, Oh shit. Damn, yeah, that, that was a while. Yeah, we were like that till two thousand twelve and well when we started thinking about, you know, doing our second album under Panano. Mm -hmm. And then our previous band name, and whenever we were we were in the studio recording, un, you know, presumably under that name. Mm -hmm. And whenever Megan came along, she she just added just such an extra touch to it. I mean, she really went in there, was into the music. You know, she was brought in, she was brought in as a as a you know just a guest musician, but as Time passed on. We got more comfortable playing with her, um, rehearsing with her, and the next thing you know, she's become a member. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she's a, that's a good old fashioned organic process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. it was. Definitely. It was just. It was just sort of unlikely. I mean, we didn't think at that point. You know, make while making an album. You know, we would have potentially met a future member, and then you know, changed the whole course of, of you know, what our album was going to you know, our name was going to be. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting how that worked out. Yeah. How has your sound progressed in the last three or four years? Like, how would you say that it's evolved or developed since that, since that first album came out a while ago? Well, before when we used to be three of us, we, so, I mean, there was three of us for the longest time and we used to do, we used to tour three of us. We used to do, we had this complicated rig where, I would do the synthesizers and then Enrique and I had like these sort of um, switches so that we can play bass through our guitars and then with switch, we'll go back and forth. And Some Jack White shit. Yeah, yeah. And Jack uh, White, Sonic Youth. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just coming in with a whole arsenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Israel played the piano. He had a piano behind him that he'd like swivel around and play it. And Word. Yeah. But shit, that, that's right. That, that, uh, <laughs> that was very limiting in, in terms of writing because... Well, writing and then also sonically uh, at a live, in the live aspect, because everything just sounded sort of thin, mm -hmm. a certain in a certain sense. So once um, Megan came in, he definitely added that other, another layer to our sound, and we were also 
able to just focus on our on our sound. It was a lot more even. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so we were able to kind of just take a step back and write our stuff so that it complemented everything else instead of just thinking about how am I going to perform this live, you know. And also, well, Megan is a is a great musician. Yeah. You know. So. So, us two, one car or JC and I, we we're not like we didn't go to school for music. He did, and so did Megan. Megan's uh, a music teacher. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to admit that anymore. <laughs> don't out think, me. No, no, please don't. No, yeah. kidding. No, but no. Um, kind of. I think that speaking kind of to JC's point is that um, we're 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 working in this structured, unstructured way. These two have a lot more. And prior to Megan joining the band, Israel was the only person that kind of had all these. Um, you know, structures and rules and things like that, 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 that is kind of used to going through you know music school. Um, and then once Megan got it, uh, added, then she kind of complemented that whole kind of aesthetic in terms of being able to structure things out. Interesting. And, and write it because I would write things and it would be in weird time signatures. Cause I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> and these guys would be like, no, this is in blah, blah, blah. And then you're repeating it for this many measures. And eventually that makes you feel a little what's, like, what's a measure? Hey, <laughs> hey maybe I'm a genius. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I meant. That, yeah. that, that's just a genius. That's all. Yeah. No, uh, no, it's just one of those things where, uh, the, the, uh, ability to have that structure from them and then kind of freed us up mm -hmm. to be a little bit more, um, experimental with what we were doing right. and focus on it. As JC said earlier, just to focus on, as opposed to trying to figure out what I can put here. We're rehearsing some of the songs in the last album to play at our album release, just cause we, we kind of want to. Right. And then we're like, uh, cause I, I feel like we should, cause we haven't played those songs in forever. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny how different we play them now because of, Back then, it was just the three of us, and occasionally a bassist would join us. We've had several bassists throughout the years, and it's been this running joke. But um, we have a lot of bass players come in, and mm -hmm. then we just kind of suck. It's like the spinal tap. Yeah, 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 It's yeah. a spinal tap they, joke or defense they, they against just, the dark arts. They just keep dying. I don't know what happens. <laughs> you, you really can't dust for vomit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, it's just like that, the way that uh, that that we're playing them now is just it's funny because they're so. To to me now, they they're so sparse in the way that they're structured, because I'm like at some points I'm like, what was I doing here? <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, we were playing separate instruments, right. and like, but we don't need to do that anymore. And so it's just like, oh, this is a lot easier. Um, but obviously, you know, relearning or not relearning, but remembering the songs, right. how to play them correctly. Do you, do you ever feel kind of the urge to go back to those old songs and kind of reelaborate on them or kind of take that, those new inclinations that you have? Or do you just kind of want to, if you're, if you're writing new material, you yeah. want to write new material and leave the past in the past. We had this like really short conversation in the studio yeah. because <laughs> our engineer, Brad, he asked us, Hey, so, um, how do you guys feel about your last album? And we just sat there and we just made a list and, and <laughs> we won't go into it here, yeah, but, you, but, uh, just had it out. We were just like, ah, and, and, uh, he was like, so would you guys want to go back and do stuff? And then I was, uh, I, I immediately, my gut reaction was yes. And then like, 
after we were done, I was like, fuck no. Yeah. No. Let's just move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's the best thing to do is just move on. Because, I mean, even when uh, we were writing or ready to record, I'm sorry, there were songs that we didn't record before mm-hmm. that we suggested, well, how about we just kind of rehash those and like rewrite them and stuff. And like Enrique said, it was a very short conversation. You know, I think we are on the same, the same uh, page as far as that. We just let that take the life that we gave it, leave mm-hmm. it in the past. Just move Made on that creative decision and yeah. then moved on. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good that you were able to make that cohesive decision pretty quickly. Yeah, everybody was kind of on like yeah on the same page, had on the same wavelength. They were like, oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said you've been playing together for fourteen years, but what did your background in music look like before uh, you guys all joined together? Uh, did you play in any bands previously, or do you have any other projects that are ongoing at the moment? I had played in other bands um, previously uh, to starting this band with Israel. Israel's my brother. Mm-hmm. So um, I had played in a couple of garage bands. I, a long time ago, I played in saxophone in, in like a blues band. So I'd had some experience playing live, but um, never my own stuff, just contributing to other people's projects or playing covers, that kind of thing. And it, um, it never really stuck for, for a while until we started playing together because he moved up here to go to school at UCD for music. Um, And so that's what kind of started that whole process because he needed somebody to jam with or, you know, we had musicians um, coming through the house because we were kind of, he was staying with me um, and, you know, they would practice there and, you know, it it just ended up being kind of an organic thing. We're like, Hey, why don't we fucking start a band? You know? Yeah, exactly. It's the next logical step. I see you all the time. You're always playing drums. Why don't, why don't we just, you know, start a band. Mm-hmm. And I think his first drum set, we ended up going to Soundtown, which is still oh, there. Yeah. So he was yeah. just, he was always wanting to play the drums. But, um, you know, back in, we're from New Mexico. Well, we grew up there. You know, we just didn't have the means to, to buy a drum set or the room. Um, and so when we moved up here, I had this old saxophone from, that I had been playing and we ended up going there and trading it. And I had another guitar that I had bought. And so we ended up playing Trading my guitar, yeah, my saxophone, and um, maybe like hundred bucks or fifty bucks or something like that. I can't remember mm-hmm. for his first drum set here. And so you went full gift of the Magi with it, traded it in for the yeah, nice. yeah. So I was just like, here you go, yeah. And uh, don't say I don't do nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it yeah. just became one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, just. Let's just start doing this because he you majored in saxophone and well, right? uh, yeah, I mean, all through as long as we're mentioning the academics. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had played um, saxophone all through high school, and um, I really wanted to learn how to play jazz. But since I was more in, in a symphonic setting, I you know I, I didn't I didn't you know get to do that. And um, after taking a couple years off from from high school that's when I enrolled in music school and and from there it just everything just kind of all my influences it just everything converged you know all my influences I discovered new music I just I discovered just everything there I mean I learned I learned a lot and it was it was a it was a nice experience there and then um but at that point I hadn't really had any live experience um I had an incredible stage fright and I just, 
I just couldn't, I just couldn't get myself to, you know, to, to perform or, you know, or give myself the courage to, you know, get up there and, you know, and show what I got. So, um, after a while I started, um, well, let me rewind back. I mean, I tried to, I tried to major in drums, but I, I couldn't read drum music that well. And so I ended up reading, um, studying saxophone, which was still, still, still great. But, um, I, as soon as I, um, got out of college and that's when I started picking up drums and, you know, maybe, maybe thinking that I could do this. I mean, I've always wanted to play drums. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have the, I mean, of course, like my brother said, I mean, we didn't have the means. I didn't have the ingenuity either to, you know, use, you know, makeshift drums or anything. So, so whenever I got that drum set, it was just one of those moments where I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe this could actually happen or maybe I can really do this. Mm-hmm. And keep, if I keep at it and everything, just be patient. <laughs> yeah, playing drums is, is just a whole, whole nother level of responsibility that I that I'll admit I haven't really you know taken seriously up until say like this album, even like this album. I mean, it was that's when I put the pressure on myself to 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 really you know bring some, bring something different, and especially with something like. Sort of like the randomness that Enrique brings whenever he programs something, mm-hmm. especially in our like the song um, "Breaking the Damage Path." Yeah, um, he just brought uh, made up that that synth part, that first synth part, just by by himself. So I had to, you know, naturally just play around it. And what I played there, I mean, I didn't wasn't really, you know, expecting to play that that six pattern right there. And um, everybody's everybody liked it. Mm-hmm. It sounded different. It, it was really. We didn't different. hate it. Really <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like the fraternal connection helps you out musically as well? I think a little bit. I think it helps more communication, not, yeah. not musically. Mostly because I think that that there's even with Juan Carlos, right? Uh, with JC, there's been like this whole because we've been playing for such a long time together. There's there's almost this unspoken agreement on ideas sometimes mm-hmm. um which can sometimes be annoying to our other band member because she's she's like what are you guys thinking and <laughs> right it's like it's like when you you know you come in on a situation where they've been you know you guys have been together for like yeah. 10 years yeah. you know it's just a different language that you guys speak. exactly yeah and so she's she's like um, can somebody answer my question? <laughs> and we're like, the decision has been made, man. Yeah. <laughs> it already happened, it's man. Telepathic. No, it's just <laughs> got it's the just, link. Yeah, so it's just like one of those things where where uh, it, the communication is is different and it's easier, but the ideas are still like we're still we still try to challenge ourselves and 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 uh, make sure that we're we're trying new things. In our last album, we had a lot of different rhythms that we were trying that really that we we worked on, but they didn't really perhaps didn't come to its full potential. Sure. I think that part of that is what he's talking about. Um, and as far as background in, in music, uh, you know, we, we've, Juan Carlos, um, was this your, your first band or? Uh, I learned music in this band basically. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so when did you, when did you join the band or rather what, at what age, I guess, better question. Oh, sh- man, I must've been about 25, 25 at that point. So yeah, I mean, I could play a little guitar, um, you know, just basic triad chords and stuff, but I could, I never really did anything with it. And then um, left it for a few years. Uh, and then I met this guy who used to play in a in a band with Israel, and he's a bass oh, player, yeah, cover band. Yeah, yeah. 
Hell oh, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. say cover band, but oh, he said God. it. Sorry. Nothing so, wrong with that. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but he said, hey, there's this guy's putting together a band and they need another guitarist. You want to come in? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I'll try it. You know, I'll, I'll come in yeah. and stuff. I show up, turns out they actually weren't looking for another guitarist. But <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that guy ended up leaving. He, he wasn't working out and it was just three of us all of a sudden. And here we are. Yeah. And it's, it, it just sounds like, you know, everything up to this point, even, you know, adding on Megan and with this album release and everything, it seems like a very organic process. And, you know, it seems like, you know, fate and life is kind of like shaped, you know, how the band has developed, you know. Yeah, I definitely agree with that sentiment. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, things that are organic usually take a lot longer. as <laughs> things that so are, goes, are contrived yeah. and planned. But also, like, yeah, I, I wish things would move faster. But I, I don't think I would change it because, um, you know, this record is 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 the result. So I, I but, think that that's, that's something now, that we I think continue it, to do. Even if, you know, we do... You know, make you know when we make another album. I mean, it'll definitely be under different circumstances, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll get you know, you know, faster edits, so to speak. But sure. you know, it. But that's not just because you know we're putting so much pressure on ourselves, but you know, because now we know what to do to sort of make it go faster. Exactly. You know? you, you know, you yeah. have the you have the memory, you have like the muscle, the emotional, the mental yeah. memory of it, kind yeah. of, of what that process feels like. And yeah. so, yeah, you know. Yeah. So it takes take a certain amount of time between the first and second albums, but then who knows what the length of time between the second and the third album might yeah. be. Yeah, we hope to have have one, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years that at, would be at awesome. the latest. So, yeah. um, you know, also managing the business side of of the music business and particularly the, the this subgenre or genre is always a challenge as well because we don't want to be um stuck in 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 just a certain kind of audience and we do want to expand that um and i think initially that's that's one of the things that we kind of did did succeed more at is just being in more places than than one would expect and mostly because we kind of carved that out for ourselves you know back back to to kind of the diy um you know aesthetic so i think that that's that's always going to be something that that motivates us yeah and you you know the album does cover a lot of sonic territory um even for a for a post-rock genre release and um you know i know we've spent a lot of time on this block but i was wondering if you guys kind of wanted to talk about um you know the sound the things that it kind of inspired uh you guys the sounds that have gone into altas the sounds that you kind of want to try and emulate not necessarily your influences but kind sure. of you know, what, what brought you to the sound that you have right now? To the point where I'm in right now, it actually took a few years because it, like I said, I mean, it took me a while to actually find this music. The first, I think the first is, instance was um, listening to Sigur Ross. Um, how, what is that called? I don't know what it's pronounced, but it's E. Geyer. I don't know. How, oh, yeah. You know what I, I'm talking about? The one that has like the, the kind of developing uh, embryo on the cover. Is that the one you're I, thinking of? It might be on that. I think yeah, so. Yeah. But so, one of them Seeger Rose albums yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> with the hard to pronounce name. Yeah. yeah. So I was watching that uh, documentary that they made where they're just playing really small towns in, in Iceland. Oh, cool. And but What's that documentary was, called? It's called Hema. Hema? Yeah. Cool. So well, I was watching the trailer, actually. That's when I first heard it. And it was this, uh, they're talking about it. And then all of a sudden this song starts and it's just like a single drum hit. Rah! 
And then this vast, just huge guitar comes in and just, that just fills the, the room. And it's just, it just, it's giving me chills now. Like, you know, and, and after I heard that, I started listening to them more. And then I started trying to find more of that. Yeah. Finally, um, a few years back, a friend of mine uh, got me into Swerve Driver. Oh, yeah. Which was also mind blowing. And it was just so a lot of this album is a culmination of all of that for me in yeah. terms of sound. Yeah, I really I really admire bands that can take that can take really aggressive tones like, you know, the heavy metal tone or like the, you know, the big post rock sounds and elevate them to something beautiful or orchestral sounding. And especially like, you know, you mentioned the Seeger Rose thing, and that's something that's absolutely present on the album is that. There are so many, like, you know, there are so many huge sounds on the album, but it's, you know, it's a beautiful, gorgeous listening experience all the way throughout. For me, it's, it's, I'm really a fan of production and a lot of what I grew up listening to was um, a lot of uh, hip hop production, a lot of um, those kinds of things, a lot of strings, a lot of, um, you know, synthesizers. Mm -hmm. And even though I play guitar in this band, a lot of what I play is informed by that. Um, I'm not a very good technical player, um, but I do, uh, I do go for sounds and feelings more than, than, you know, just, just shredding. Sure. Um, you know, so I think, uh, you know, I'm a capable guitarist, but I also like, like I said, I, I really, I'm more into how it sounds, um, production wise. And in this record, you know, I'm, I'm always really about keeping a lot of the low end up front. Um, and this record, I think we really just did that. Most post-rock records are like that bass and, and kick are kind of buried. Yeah. And so like for us, I was like, no, nah, I want it to be. No, there's a groove. There's yeah. there's definitely a pronounced groove to the record, which I, I also, yeah. I, I remember noting that when we were listening to that first track, you can yeah. really hear it on that. And, it, and one of the, my biggest joys is, um, and you did this earlier and, and, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I, it, 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 it works is. When I see people doing this, head bobbing, <laughs> the head bob, yeah, the head it bobbing. I'm a mover, and not just like mover. this, not like just backward, like sideways. Because I've I've been to plenty of post rock shows. Oh and, yeah, and, and well, it's and endemic like in the Denver music scene too. Like nobody dances, nobody, nobody moves. Does. They're yeah, all yeah. just like they look like philosophers up there. <laughs> it's it's exactly yeah. And so yeah, and so you know when we get that reaction, for me, that's just like. I did my job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did it well. No, did, there's definitely yeah. so, a strong, strong rhythm, strong groove that especially runs. Especially as a drummer, I mean, if I can make them head bob like that, that would, that would, that's just such a great feeling. Yeah, too. it's great, and I'm looking forward to. I, I have every intention of checking out uh, your guys' show at Rhinoceropolis, uh, June 8th, yeah. which we will talk about. But uh, we are going to play another song okay. off your guys' record, so we'll take a quick break to do that. Do you guys want to talk about that upcoming song? Uh, so this is song is called um, A Break in the Damaged Path. And uh, this is what Israel was talking about earlier, um, was that this introduction is, is something that I brought to the band. Um, and then we kind of pulled it apart and, and started taking, um, started taking a, a life of its own um, because I, I sequenced it. I brought basically a, a kind of fully formed idea. And of course, being in a band is, is, you know, compromising on a lot of things. And so I said, here, here, let's try to do this. Tell me what you guys want to change, what you guys want to do with this. 
And then, you know, it ended up just being keeping like small parts that I created and then everybody else contributed their sounds and their ideas to it. Mm -hmm. And that's the result of this. So kind of your impulses kind of provided like the seed thoughts to it that the song developed. Yeah, that seems the way way it always works too. Yeah, and for me it was, I didn't anticipate what they would do with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I had this idea, but it didn't really, I didn't want it just to be my idea. And they took it and they turned it into this awesome, this mm-hmm. awesome piece. Yeah, we yeah. slowed it down a little and yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. a lot faster and 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 yeah, the 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 well, the rhythm was a lot simpler because um, you know it was just one. Four. <laughs> but, uh, he's just like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's go.
good stuff. Welcome back to Color Radio. We are here with Altus. They are talking about their new album, All I Ever Wanted Was, talking about their album release show at Rhinoceropolis coming up June 8th. But before we do that, I wanted to go back in time just a little bit because um, I was thinking about when you guys were just getting your start and all that stuff. I was wondering, um, you know, your first album came out uh, in 2014, I think it was. How would you say that, because um, you've been playing in the Denver area, you've been based in Denver, you know, this whole time. How would you say that the scene has kind of grown and developed um, either, you know, in your specific circles or just with the music scene in general? The music scene in Denver has, has really just kind of blown up. There's so many acts, uh, obviously with the influx of people moving here, there's a lot more going on than when we first started playing. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, I think maybe a handful of venues that actually book shows on a regular basis. Really? So that kind of gives you an idea of, of where, where the music scene was at at that time. You know, the underground music showcase was still going on, um, was, had already been going on for a while, but, um, we just, we kind of entered that, uh, entered the scene through, through that festival. And, and that's one of the kind of the jumping off points where we started playing venues in Denver because people saw us there. Sure. Um, prior to that, it was mostly, like I said, DIY and, and kind of just playing just random places. Totally. Can you Uh, tell us a little bit about that festival, a little bit more about that? So the underground music showcase, we used to be part of the Denver post. And they basically started from like doing like a day festival and um, and they turned it into like this at, at some point uh, was like four days mm-hmm. um, of just nothing, you know, marquee festivals. They'd have like, they bring bigger artists, but if, there was a time when there were no like marquee artists to draw. It was just really just the people that were playing in, in Denver at that time. And it was all different genres. A lot of people that we met that we know that we consider friends mm-hmm. in, in Denver music were kind of, we've met those people in, in that. And I, I believe in that, uh, in, in that, uh, in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it definitely looks a lot different now, obviously, you know, there's a lot younger uh, bands coming up. A lot, they're doing a lot of different things. And there's always like, there's always that, that piece of it where the organizers or whomever uh, are gravitating towards, you know, how they can monetize that, how that, how, you know, they're, mm-hmm. um, they're going to be, they're going to be doing basically what festivals do is they get marquee acts um, and then they tear down from there. Right. Um, and so it developed into something different. And a couple of years ago, I think it was, um, I don't know the exact date, but somebody else bought um, the Denver or the underground music showcase. Okay. And so it's no longer run by the Denver post. Um, now it's, it's a, it's another organization. I believe it's called two parts. Are they still based in Colorado? Yeah, they're, they're, they're Denver, they're Denver based. So that's, and they're also, they had been the folks that, that run that organization have been part of Denver, the Denver music scene for a long time and doing promotions and events. Sure. So they're still keeping the spirit alive and all that. The last, it's it's expanding in terms of like content and how they approach the festival, um, which is good because there's always it's always good to you know um, try new things and figure out what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and an ever evolving like music scene like Denver, it, there's not as much established uh, industry here, right? So it's I think there's a lot a lot of room for experimentation and mm-hmm. to try new things. Yeah, it's definitely still a developing scene. Do you feel like you would? 
be progressing at about the same level if you had started now versus five years ago, if that if that makes any sense? I don't think so. I think that there's a lot less access to kind of the kinds of things that we do. Back then, I think that there was a lot more, I think people would take that risk because there's really no, you know, at a certain time in, in Denver, you could play any any major venue at, at the time. It was just like, you know, Larimer Lounge, High Dive, uh, Three Kings Tavern, you know, rooms like that on right. any given day. And, and you'd kind of have the same kind of turnout, but now it's not like that at all. It's It's completely different. I mean, you have tons and tons of venues. Everything's a venue now. There's so much out there, and obviously, the more people are here, the more focused or unfocused the crowds are. The influx of people kind of generates a certain kind of music scene uh, just by default. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people that like a certain kind of music, like you know, dance music, or um, or even just like even now, I think that there's a big, there's a lot of of you know, funk slash yeah. like Afro groove, like like a lot of that stuff is going on or some integration of, or like Jamtronica, those kinds of things. Those things I think have more visibility here because of the, just the environment. Um, and I think that, that like to your point earlier or to your question, what do I think it would be more difficult now? Yeah, I think I do think so to play what we play. And I, it's actually difficult now for us because this isn't necessarily known as, as, as that, that kind of town where, mm-hmm. where those kinds of bands play. Yeah. I mean, if you put, if you, if you put someone at gunpoint and ask them probably like, what is, what is the, what is Denver's music? You know, most people yeah. would probably say like EDM or something, honestly, yeah. like yeah. by and large in the mainstream. Yeah, definitely. And so we're like below that and below what indie is. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so you have independence and then you have, you know, uh, then you have kind of what we do, I think. Do you find yourself playing a lot of uh, metal shows, metal shows, punk shows? Uh, we used to play with a lot of metal bands, yeah. Um, and we used to be a little bit heavier in terms of... Yeah, because like, I was going to say on your first album, there's definitely a lot more of a pronounced metal influence on it than yeah, than on the second album. Yeah, and we wanted to... I think we on purpose kind of did that because it's it's cool to have a heavier heavier pieces in your music for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that just being there all the time sometimes gets, um, you know, exhausting. Well, you've opened up the dynamics a lot more yeah. in your sound, I yeah. think by, by kind of, you know, minimizing that influence a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any particular bands on the scene? Like you mentioned, you know, you have some people that you kind of came up with through, uh, that underground showcase, that festival. Um, are there any bands, uh, that you, uh, really enjoy, playing with sharing bills with uh collaborating with just any bands that you kind of wanted to give a shout out on the show that need more attention none of the bands that we've played with that we become friends with actually are similar to what we do at all oh interesting so like some of our best friends like like they're strange americans they play like like you know anthem rock um and they're they're awesome they're Mm -hmm. awesome they're awesome and um and i i love watching them play the reason that we met these people and that we played with these people is because at some point in Denver, there wasn't that segmentation. Right. Everybody would just play shows. Yeah, exactly. It's like you play music, I play music too. Exactly. Let's hang out. Yeah. yeah. And we would just play these random shows and mm-hmm. then we would, we would, they would put on shows. We would, yeah. at some point, there was a warehouse where we would just like call Miami Steve's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so Steve, Steve is a good friend of mine and he's, in a, he's in a band called Face Man and he's got other cool. projects. Face man. Yeah. Word. So they play this kind of like roots rock 
Americana mix, but it's really, really emotional. And it's really like, it, 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 uh, it really speaks to people, I think. But I, we met them because we got put on a bill with some friends of ours that uh, said, Hey, you know what? We're just going to throw this bill together because why not? Yeah. And like I said, that's how I think we've met some of our closest friends, mus- musician friends. Um, but I don't think that happens anymore here. I think if everything is very scheduled, very like deliberate, yeah. more so than it used to be. Um, there's a few places like the DIY places. I think High Dive's still a really good place to. High Dive's uh, a great venue. Yeah, they they still kind of have that ethos where it's just like let's do whatever you know, mm-hmm. um, and support people in Denver because they're a lot of the the I think the owners are still they used to be or still are play in Denver Denver musicians so they're they're super supportive. Um, and you know, the new places, you know, that got bought out by like, um, AEG or Live Nation, uh, you know, they're obviously very, very focused and, mm-hmm. um, more standardized, more standardized. They do have certain criteria. They're less willing to take risks, but yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things where it's, 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 it's definitely a lot more focused business wise. Um, and. And not necessarily business-wise, it's most, most revenue-focused, mm-hmm. um, which for us isn't really that appealing. Um, our our music isn't written that way, and, and we don't we're, – we're, like I said, we're still struggling with trying to get this out to people that would, would want to listen to it, that would, would like to listen to it. Um, but it's not, it's not for everybody, but it's also like the people that – would listen to it. They're really, really um, kind of diehard fans mm-hmm. of what we do, um, and so it ends up being like this smaller and smaller pool of people. But yeah, those are the the kind of like diehard fans that we. I, I think one of the things that we've always said amongst each other is that um, a lot of our um, a lot of our fans are other musicians mm-hmm. or people That's from true. other bands. Yeah, yeah we, we, we have been called the musicians band or something yeah. like that. <laughs> something or something or along like that. that. Yeah. 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 What I f- what I found too, like we were talking uh, about, kind of you know the DIY scene in Santa Fe. Like it's a similar vibe there. Is that you know after at a certain point, it's just about you know the fact that you're making music, and it's not so much about like you play this kind of music, I play this kind of music, right. you know. Yeah. And there's a lot more collaboration to it. I think in the Midwest, there's a lot of that going on still. Mm-hmm. I know that like we went to Omaha on tour and uh, we found kind of like a, a small like DIY scene where people are just, you know, playing music to play music. When you find pockets like that across the country, it kind of gives you that hope of, hey, this is still going on. It's not just like, you know, being Coachellified everywhere. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's still, there's still cool, romantic, awesome places to go yeah. and experience music. And, Even in and like Des Moines too. Yeah. Des Moines. yeah. I'm from Iowa. Actually, oh, oh, I was nice. raised in Iowa. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. It's a nice little, they've got a new, they've got a music festival there and everything now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, 8035. Wow. wow. Yeah. Guess where we're going. <laughs> Coming on up <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Nice. No, that place was awesome. And, and, and places that have, um, like, that that cities that make it a part of their culture, mm-hmm. like Des Moines, Des Moines subsidizes a lot of their their little district yeah. through the city, which is awesome because mm-hmm. um, it gives people a chance to. Well, they've really been trying to attract the artists, you know, yeah. and like same, that whole community. Same with Fort Collins. Fort Collins yeah. is is awesome, and we like work with folks at Foco MX, and um, you know, we were part of you know the Colorado Music Party and uh, South by Southwest, and that all, those opportunities came through, you know. 
working with people in Fort Collins mm-hmm. and not necessarily in Denver where we're based from. So it, it's, it's always fun to go out and, and meet people that are supportive to, to just whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, they're there for the experience of the music. They're there to experience the shows. That's encouraging. Yeah. What are, what are some places, you know, obviously you mentioned high dive and you're playing your show at Rhinoceropolis, but what are some other places that you've played around Colorado that you've really enjoyed? I think, uh, the Zodiac in, Zodiac, um, yeah. in Colorado Springs, uh, triple nickel in Colorado Springs. Obviously, Fort Collins, Surfside Seven, Hoodies, oh, yeah. um, just like you know, the those places are, are really open to, and there's new ownership for those. And I think Aggie Theaters got new owners. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting to see those people kind of take over uh, venues like that because you know there's a little bit more accessibility or at least the opportunity yeah. for that. And, I, and of course, you you have to kind of get out there and, and be part of the scene to be. Um, to 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 meet these people because it's as a musician i know there's a lot of sometimes there's a lot of like um self-doubt about going out and 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 meeting people one thing i I, it took a long time for me to realize was that people out there have this this notion or this romanticized um version of what it means to be a musician Mm -hmm. and um when they see you out there and you're playing a show you know they don't see the hours that you drove up to get there and all of the struggles that it, you know, we've been on tours where, you know, our brakes went out, uh, you know, our transmission went out. Mm-hmm. We had to ride home in, in, in a U-Haul. On the back all, of the U-Haul. all the planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, and, but you know, at, at the end of the day, we went in and did every single one of those shows and had a, had a blast Nice, and, and met some great people and, created some new fans of, of what we do. Um, so it's, 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 it's kind of that, I believe that, that whole end result that kind of makes it all worth it. Are you going on tour to support this album? Um, we plan to go on tour later this year. Um, we're still scheduling that out, but, um, we're, we're being a lot more strategic with what we tour with, Mm -hmm. um, a lot more festivals, um, a lot more, more things where trying to maximize exposure. Exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're being definitely more strategic this time around. It used to be, Hey, let's just get in a van and, uh, you know, roll around the Midwest or the Southwest yeah. or, you know, that kind of thing. Now that's a, yeah, that's a really interesting thought. So would you say, is there any advice you could offer to someone who is trying to break into the scene, who is thinking about, um, being a musician, trying to be a musician in the Colorado or just in general, you know, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> or at least some intentionality <laughs> yeah. to the doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that uh, part of, uh, yeah, there there needs to be intentionality. Uh, but also, uh, I don't know. It's tough because I don't want to discourage people. Sure. Because, you know, people people need art. People need music. Be strategic with what you're doing. It depends on what your goals are. Exactly, really. yeah. Set it the goals. You, set the goals. Yeah. If your goal is to be X amount of, of band, you know, X type of band and, and you have like an aesthetic that you want to follow. Um, or if you're just trying things out and that's also cool too. just, just figure out what you want out of music first and continue just to do your music. Some, some people do music because it, it, they need to just kind of what we were talking about earlier. We need to do this. It's part of what in, in some way, shape or form we're, we're going to be doing music for, I, I'm in my case, I think the rest of my life. It's how you want that to be, how, how prominent you want it to be in your life, and also um, what you're willing to give up for that. Because 
this is a lot of work. Yeah, and, and that's why usually if someone asks that, that's kind of like the running joke. It's like, don't do it. It, <laughs> it it's really hard. You know, there's uh, there's a lot of rejection. There's, there's no romanticizing. There's not glad. It's not glamorous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. You'll have the nights where you're playing to like the five people, yeah. or you know, there's yeah. that's probably the yeah. Yeah. It's most likely that everybody I know that has been on tour, like on their own, mm-hmm. that doesn't have like a machine behind them. They have the same stories. We have the same stories. Yeah, and like, when you're up there and that happens, it, it can be very discouraging and it really takes a hit at your, your ego and your, you know. So, I mean, just be, be prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, and I, what I helps you work through that? Is it just, you know, the, just kind of the faith that you have in your own art or, you know, really just turning that energy and putting it into the performance or how do you, how do you guys kind of handle that? Well, personally, it's basically that what you just said. And, and also I have a way of seeing that, like just channel your energy towards something uh, productive and something positive, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, and. I think sometimes and don't ruminate on the negative. Don't yeah. ruminate on the yeah, well. I mean, yeah, how, many, how many people are going to be here and you know exactly like these five people are having a great time yeah. right yeah. now. So. Yeah, and I think that um, part of uh, part of what he's saying is that the reactions that we get when we do have good shows, and most of them are good shows, but some of them are just you know, yeah. What are you gonna no, do? Nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. Yeah, but the the feeling that you get when you go to a room full of strangers. And your music resonates with them and your performance and your show resonate with them. And they, they like what they see and they come up to you and they tell you like verbally, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the highway chase. <laughs> yeah. That's the dragon. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's it. You know, I think that, the, that in the end, no matter how big or small that is, I think that's, that's where, that's where it all comes into, into focus, I think. Like we've mentioned a few times uh, leading up to this, you guys have your album release show at Rhinoceropolis on June 8th. June 8th, Saturday. Nice. And can you tell us real quick about how to get tickets to all that if we wanted to go? So you can go to our website. It's Altos Musica, M-U-S-I-C-A. So Spanish for music for those of you. Uh, uh, <laughs> those of you true blue Colorado. Altosmusica.com right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's right in the front. Um, so you can buy tickets there. Uh, it's $15 to get in. Um, it's a DIY venue, um, a, a kind of iconic, legendary DIY venue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very, um, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of things that we decided we could do there because of that. Um, we're going to have a pretty nice production for the show. We have a lot of props. Um, a lot of, we, we're, we're kind of known for our live show where we really? have a lot of production, a part of it. So a lot of lighting elements, uh, um, we have a projectionist who will be doing visuals this time around. Uh, we have like these huge jellyfish props that will oh, be wow. kind of Oh, wow. So we're lot. talking about a whole multimedia thing. Correct. Here you're doing, wow. So we're, doing it up in full. It's going to be a very, uh, immersive, um, an immersive experience. And, uh, you know. It's it's it kind of speaks to what we used to do, or where we would just bring everything on our own, do everything on our own, and, mm-hmm. and kind of hearkening back to that aesthetic and, and being being that band that that just brings it when when uh, when we do shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, hopefully, we can live up to what we're hoping the vision is. So obviously, that's 
that's never going to happen, but you know, <laughs> uh, well, it's we, absolutely music that lends itself to a live setting too. Exactly. Just filling up spaces and yeah. having people experience it all simultaneously. And adding all, and adding all these other elements just really just as, um, kind of the icing on the cake, so to speak. Uh, it's, it's really just making it a, a better experience, a better live experience. And we have some great bands that are, are, are playing. Yeah. Tell us uh, about supporting. some of the bands that are on that ticket. The uh, other bands. So the band Voigt, um, out of Denver. Um, they're kind of, a like a really electronic, harsh type of, uh, almost industrial. I would kinda, say. Kind of glitchy. Yeah. They, glitchy. Would, they, they, they would, they would probably hate me if I called them industrial, but, uh, <laughs> Somebody's going to stab me that night. <laughs> We're dark uh, wave now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're they're great. They're awesome. Uh, uh, Nick and Adam are great uh, musicians. And, and uh, you know, they've always been very supportive of what we do and, and vice versa. Um, and then we have Plume Varia, uh, who's more like a dream pop band. So oh, it's cool. like a, there's kind of like, we, we took two of these, these bands and added them to the bill because they're kind of like the extremes of what we do. Uh, you know, one's like really dreamy, really like has great vocals and Sherry's vocals are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and the production work is awesome uh, in that band, but it's very low key, very am- almost ambient. Um, and so they're different from Voight. Voight is like harsh and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, very driving. And we end up being kind of, you know, in the middle. Kind of, of, a, like kind of a happy medium, yeah, but you're kind medium. of in this show, you're having everyone kind of experience as yeah. full of a sonic spectrum as, exactly. as you can. And it's yeah. you guys and then the other two bands on the bill, those three? Yeah, just those three. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That sounds really, really cool. And I um, I was wondering if we could spend just a little bit of time before we uh, kick it to that final song. Mm-hmm. If we could talk just a little bit about uh, Rhinoceropolis and the uh, DIY scene sure. uh, in Denver, because um, some of you listening might uh, be aware of the background behind Rhinoceropolis, but some of you might not. Uh, but just so you're aware, it was a DIY venue uh, that had to be closed down a couple of years ago. Uh, due to a crackdown as a result of the uh, ghost ship tragedy um, in California a couple of years ago. Um, But recently it reopened uh, this year. And I was wondering if you guys could maybe shed some light on what that process looked like and how uh, we were able to uh, bring Rhinoceropolis back for the community. The reason that it's back is because a lot of hard work from very specific people, you know, the lease owner there, John's, uh, he's been a part of the scene, um, the DIY scene for f- forever. Um, and the shows that people used to do there, you know, they, they've kind of become legendary. There's been, you know, people that pass through there that are huge acts now. I think the, the reason that it, it has staying power is because of that community, because they didn't give up. They literally had to pack up their stuff and mm-hmm. move out. They, they got kicked out by the fire marshal and told they couldn't live there anymore. And so obviously that's a lot of displacement um, for a whole group of people that really were an anchor to that scene. And about how many people were in that space at that time? I'm not sure. I think yeah. maybe maybe up to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I couldn't say definitively. There's a place next door called Glob, which we played mm-hmm. like really early on. And so they're like, sister at at some point they used to be sister like venues Mm -hmm. um but i think everybody's living over there and it's it's separate now and that whole area and that it used to be nondescript i mean people would go there because you know it's it's out of the way and now it's in the middle of everything Mm -hmm. it's in the middle of like 
these ridiculously expensive developments. Um, it has a sidewalk. <laughs> Whoa. And, yeah, and there's a sidewalk. That's an extra $10,000 on rent right there. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> as far as them, them, um, you know, I, I don't purport to speak for them, but you know, they, they've struggled quite a bit because of that. Um, and there's been a lot of, a big sense of loss, I think in the community. Um, and so being not directly a part of that community, but in parallel kind of mm-hmm. doing kind of the same things that they were doing that really felt, um, you know, it, we, we kind of felt that, you know, because it's just like, I can't imagine being just like kicked out of my home and, and, and being told that I can't come back mm-hmm. and, and it being my creative space as well. Yeah. It's a spiritual loss, yeah. you know, not only for the people that live there, but for all the people that went yeah. to shows that produce shows there. And, and even then it's just like, there's been, you know, there's the, the, the opening and closing of DIY venues since then has been pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mouth house closed, you know, I think 1010 closed. Dry Plug Studios closed, Unity closed. There's like tons of places that, you know, just the same kind of people were opening and closed and, mm-hmm. and then got shut down. Does it kind of cycle where, where, you know, venues will shut down, but then venues will open up to replace them? Or are we kind of getting to a point where more are closing down than there are ones to replace them? Uh, more are closing down than, than there are to replace them. Nobody's willing to take that risk anymore mm-hmm. um, because of, the financial consequences yeah, liability and, and liability, you know, the big L word. Rhinoceropolis, they got some, some, some funding from Meow Wolf, which was able to, I think, help with some of the, um, the bringing up to code, you know, the building. Uh, last night uh, was the first night that uh, Rhinoceropolis has ever had a stage and uh, I built it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, so we're bringing our own stage. We're bringing our own lights. We're bringing our own sound system. We're doing all that stuff. So very cool. They've been very gracious. Putting the DIY and DIY. Basically. Yeah. yeah. With their help and being able to, to do that there uh, has kind of opened up the possibilities of what we can do um, as a, as a show. Cause they kind of give us a blank canvas. And so we're just, we can do whatever. And that's really awesome that there's still that there's still a venue out there where that's a possibility for artists. Yeah, and definitely. That, yeah, so it's really great that you know we have spaces like Rhinoceropolis and you know big out shout out to Meow for funding stuff like that. That was pretty cool because they also got I believe um, Seven Circle also got um, a funding from Meow Wolf. Yeah, they I have think. like this grant thing that they. Yeah, where they've been trying to help out other DIY groups because that's how, I mean, they were just another DIY group too when they, when they came up. And so, yeah, it's really nice and it's cool, you know, if when they, they finally break into the Denver scene that they've been able to, um, you know, kind of help out and give back in their own way, you know, with stuff like that. Yeah. I hope that continues. Um, I'm not sure everybody agrees with how that playing out. It's definitely, and trust me, being you know, recently, recently from Santa Fe. Right. It's, it's, it's the same across borders. Right. It's yeah. Just it's very divisive, where, very yeah. divisive. There's it's, very, uh, there's very, um, um, you know, really hard held opinions about how that should be, uh, rolled out. But, um, and, and obviously everybody has their, 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 their talking points and, and what they believe in. So, yeah. Um, I think, I think the most sensible thing at this point is to just take a wait and see approach yeah. and just see how it all kind of develops. Is it one, one of the things that, uh, for me that I really appreciate from, from this sort of approach is young people that have no access to anything else because, mm-hmm. you know, you can do this all ages shows right. and, you know, growing up, we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything unless you're 21 and, and yeah, have money. All, and, all and, ages and, shows and, are so very yeah. important. 
for that yeah, stuff. And that, that for me, it's, it's kind of a big thing. Yeah, we Very went nice. To, yeah, it, it is all ages, by the way. And, and I think that uh, it, that was reinforced when we went to Omaha because the crowd there was mostly yeah, yeah, it's know, kids. It's typically kids. kids. Yeah, because they were just like that power of the scene. Yeah. yeah, because they were just so enthusiastic about everything. Um, they're not like it's they're not like us. Show. They're not jaded. It, it, yeah, it's they haven't had cynicism show. kicked yeah. into them yet. Like, but yeah, it was, it was great, out. and and they're so enthusiastic, and and they kind of want to contribute, and and uh, you know that's 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 awesome to see. I mean, hey, maybe they can see you know middle age. Old, old folks like us, you know, <laughs> well, still grinding at it. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, we okay. got we got to stand as emblems to the to the younger generations yeah, and let no, them know. Look, you, you know, can do this. This can be possible. Carry the energy, yeah. and that's the only way. You know, if hang if, in there, hang in there. <laughs> exactly. Like if the music scene, if any small smaller you know independent scene is going to develop, it's going to require legwork from yeah. the people that are growing up and yeah. coming up in that area. I also think it's important for people that like us that that have some sort of experience to help out. Because right. you know, and be opening and not gatekeep and yeah, exactly. you know, those sorts because of things. That is that is a big issue that that I personally see is like this gatekeeping issue where it's just like, you know, there's no reason why this person why these group of kids can't learn how to how to run sound or how to put on a show or mm-hmm. how to do all these things at a young age. I really wish that I had uh, you know access to that kind of thing and when I was young. Yeah. I wouldn't have been such a hoodlum. <laughs> <laughs> They had one of those deals when I, uh, in Santa Fe, it was called Warehouse 21. It was like a community center. Yeah. yeah where kids can go, you know, you're like 11, 12 years old. You can learn how to run a soundboard, you yeah, know, definitely. Run, run audio cable, all that stuff, all that important work yeah. that oh, is yeah, necessary man. to build a scene. Yeah, definitely. I believe it is now time to play our third and final song of this little interview cycle. Thank you all guys for showing up today yeah. and talking. Thank you, talking Thanks, and Thanks for having us so much. This is awesome. Yeah. yeah, this was great. It was really great, man. Yeah. And, you know, whatever we can do to, you know, continue building the relationship, sure. you know, we want to start, we want to start providing a voice and providing a platform for independent Colorado artists. So if you have friends who are looking for a platform who, you know, want to do press for, you know, their stuff, you know, have them reach out to us because we are ready, willing, and able uh, to give that mouthpiece and to give that platform to people. people. Awesome. Awesome. This song is called A Rotten Koenig. Rotten Koenig. Rotten Koenig. Yeah. Very German. Yeah. Can you speak to that? So this song is uh, a bit on the political side, even though it doesn't have any words. Mm -hmm. Um. A Rad King or Radenkonig is, it's, I don't know if you have heard of it. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, one of my favorite visuals. Yeah. <laughs> Very metal visual. Yeah, it is. Or crusty visual, rather. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah so, so it's basically when, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, it's when a group of rats kind of end up together and uh, because of built and, and, and waxes and, and all that stuff. Their that tails happens, get all they, intertwined and stuff. It, yeah, their tails get really all intertwined. And that was one thing that we kind of, having conversations and such, you know, it kind of paints that same picture for politics. It's always like everyone's always kind of in bed with each other. That you is know? very so, apt. So, I mean, that's, that's basically where that name came from. It, it kind of just speaks to who we are as a band. Everybody here is, um, you know, um, we're in a sense minorities. You know, Megan's a woman, you know, three Mexican guys. And so it, it really just the kind of the the climate really just affected us a lot more than than we thought it would and you know it's it's always been there but it's just so pronounced now 
uh, and it's it's so much more visible. And I think that's that's kind of the impetus of, of what how this how this kind of mood and 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 song came about.
Thanks for tuning in to Caller Radio. To hear more episodes of Caller Radio, as well as the many other shows from the NOCO FM family, visit noco.fm or search your favorite podcast app for NOCO FM. Caller Radio is also available on our free mobile app. Find it in the App Store and Google Play Store. And if you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Caller Radio is produced at the NOCO FM studios in Fort Collins, Colorado. If there's a Colorado-based musician, band, or artist that you'd like to see featured on Caller Radio, drop us a line and let us know. We're at NOCO FM on all the social medias. NOCO FM is listener-supported. If you like what you hear and you're in a position to help the station grow, please visit us at patreon.com slash nocofm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Caller Radio. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.